Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views, the podcast from movie fans for the movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and in an I Speak Fluent Movie Quotes t-shirt, Rob Dunham. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. (laughs) I don't think it means what you think it means. Okay. Well, we have an excellent podcast for you. We are going to talk about the box office and the domination that Jurassic World unleashed on the box office this past weekend. Uh, We'll preview what's coming up. We are going to hit up some other news uh, along the superhero front. And we will discuss three-hour movies. This time we'll actually do it. I promise. And we won't talk about it for three hours, but we will talk about it. We will it. not. Yes, that is correct. Uh, and we do have to see at some point. We do. Yes. It's true. Okay, let's get started. Uh, box office results dominated by Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, last week, Rob and I had a little wager as to who was uh, going to be more accurate in their predictions about this particular movie. And uh, needless to say, I was horribly wrong. Uh, I predicted 75 million. Rob predicted it even 100 million. And in fact, it was 150 or 145.1 million. This is a massive number for Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, we'll get to what that means in a second. Uh, but that finished number one in the box office. Top Gun Mavericks still going strong in week three with 51.9 million. That's a giant box office haul for those two particular movies. Doctor Strange is still hanging around at 5.2 million. The Bad Guys at 2.5. And Bob's Burgers, very respectable, at number five at 2.5 million in its third week. Rob. What do you make of the results from Jurassic World Dominion? Well, I I was even way off. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought I was giving a pretty uh, generous number there with $100 million, but apparently yeah. people are way more excited to see this movie than I expected. That's very true. That, I Yeah, I am very, very surprised. Obviously, or I would have, I would have picked a better number. Uh, but yes, this is still a very 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 hot franchise that everyone still wants to go see that was the question and it obviously is answered in droves uh they talk about the fact that it's it's a very similar number to what fallen kingdom did but fallen kingdom came out before the pandemic i did not anticipate dominion doing that type of number but it did i mean this has some serious staying power for this franchise yeah we'll see um we'll see if it can do what top gun did and have a a low drop off. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like it, it won't have quite the same uh, holding power as Top Gun did from week one to week two. But I guess we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. Uh, but really, really impressive stuff from uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, did you see this? Do you get a chance to see it? I've not seen it yet. I'm planning on seeing it this week, hopefully. Yeah, I'm on vacation, so I haven't had a chance to see it either. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to see it over the next week, and and we'll get you a review up after that. Uh, but people obviously were intrigued by the movie. They were intrigued by the combination of cast. They want to see the final installment of the World Series, World Series, the Jurassic World 
trilogy. We'll put it that way. Uh, and they came out. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, that was the box office from this past week. And we got a couple of new entrants in one major feature and one kind of minor feature. And the main installment coming out into box offices this week is Lightyear, the animated film on the origin of the Buzz Lightyear character. And that comes out this week from Disney. And next we have the movie Brian and Charles. Uh, now, Brian and Charles is an interesting installment here. And as I am slowly pulling that up. And this stars uh, David Earl and Chris Hayward. And it's basically after a particularly harsh winter, Brian goes into a deep depression, completely isolated and with no one to talk to. Brian does what any sane person would do. Yes. He turns to a robot. He builds a robot and then talks to the robot. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Brian and Charles. Uh, what intrigues you this week, Rob? Are you a light year guy or are you going with the indie film? Who among us does not build a robot in a time of great personal sadness? I mean, I know really it's the tale as old as time. Um, but as far as the two movies go, uh, definitely more interested in light year. I've been interested in light year since I heard it was going to come out. Um, there is some controversy about uh, a certain scene in this movie that uh, if you want to go look online about that, you're more than <laughs> welcome to that. Uh, a lot of people are saying they won't go see the movie because of um, personally, I think regardless of your beliefs one way or the other on that, I think it's stupid to personally, I think it's stupid to um, disqualify watching a movie because of one thing like that. And I, I found it interesting on the IMDb page. I was looking at it today and saw that it right now has a rating of 4.9 out of 10 on like um, user reviews. And when I opened up like the expanded thing, it says like 32% of the ratings are one star. And like the only reason why that's happening is because people are rating it as low as possible on purpose. Which, again, I think is just a stupid thing to do. Like, get a life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm very interested in seeing what they do with the Buzz Lightyear character. Um, and I think Brian and Charles has potential to be a pretty uh, fun little quirky movie, too. Usually indie movies with that kind of idea and impetus behind them are fun to watch. Reminds me a little bit of um, Safety Not Guaranteed, which I had mentioned in our in our one of our reviews of uh, movies from 2012 a couple weeks ago, so we'll we'll see. I'm I'm uh, much more excited about next week because um, there are three movies coming out on the 24th that I want to watch. There you so, go. So tune in next week to hear me talk about movies I'm really excited about. <laughs> uh, I'm not particularly in, in, enthralled with Lightyear. Um, yeah, just not interested for a variety of reasons, but I'm probably not going to see it, but also because there are a couple movies that I want to see that I have not gotten around to. Uh, Brian and Charles does seem interesting. Um, 
you never know with those indie flicks. Sometimes they're too off the wall and too unkiltered, and sometimes they strike the right balance. Uh, so that's where that's that's pretty much it for me. Uh, it will be interesting to see what kind of numbers Lightyear pulls, especially with Top Gun Maverick still around and the second week of Jurassic Park. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a crowded box office at the top. So I'm curious to see how Lightyear does. Now, it is ostensibly a kid-friendly movie, which the other two are not. Uh, so you will get the the young parents with young kids contingent out to see this movie, whereas you would not get them out to see the other two movies. So I think it will still do a strong number. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what the total box office draw for this coming weekend was will be. Um, last weekend, you had over 200 million just in the top two movies. So I think we're bound. My guess is you're going to see another 200 million at least. I'm going to go 215 million between those three movies. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Pretty yeah. fair uh, guess there. All right. So let's move on to other news. And uh, Rob, I know you have some thoughts on this one. Uh, <laughs> But there's talk of a Joker sequel. Yes, a sequel to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. However, tell me more. Tell me more. It's going to be What's a musical. Oh, oh, okay. And there is in serious talks to bring on Lady Gaga to play Harley Quinn. Rob, thoughts? So. Someone needs to convince me that the head of DC is not three teenagers in a trench coat because I, <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I feel like someone is just standing uh, against the wall, like yelling at the wall, like we could do a Joker sequel. And someone's in the background like, yeah. And they're like, we could, call it fully ado and someone's like oh that's clever and then he's like we could have lady gaga be in it and they're like oh and then they're like we could be a musical and they're like all right Chaz, you've had too much mountain dew like i i i just i dc has no idea what they're doing they are literally a chicken running around with all of their collective heads cut off yes uh not to mention that as part of this announcement everyone's like but what about the other Harley Quinn in the DC universe that's still operating. And they're like, oh, no, no, that's a separate universe. So you're simultaneously running two different universes with these characters for what purpose? So I guess since Marvel um, introduced the multiverse idea, then um, DC can just be like, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing, too. Totally been doing it the whole time. Uh, that's why there's two Suicide Squads and why there's uh, two Harley Quinns and two Jokers and why there's five Batman. That's why. Well, yeah, and and why those two Jokers look different depending on who's directing the films. Yeah, this really does have the feel of like literally just throwing everything against a wall and see what sticks. Um the one caveat to this, I would say, is we remember how like deeply psychological and insane the first Joker movie is. One, 
I can totally see Lady Gaga getting into an insane character that is totally within her wheelhouse. Two, can you imagine like a, a crazy psychological insane musical? Like you could pull that off. It would be absolutely ridiculous. I, I can see a pathway to this working. However, I hate musicals for the most part. But I can see a path to this being totally different and totally crazy. Like if they just embrace the crazy and just go straight down into that rabbit hole, um, I can see this being a unreal spectacle. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean it's going to be good, <laughs> but it really doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, we have seen uh, Sweeney Todd is is in that vein of things if you want to go musical with like dark twisted but it's gonna have to be way more um, dark and twisted undertones disturbing themes and whatnot i'm not super hopeful or trusting of dc being able to do any semblance yeah any semblance of good job with this yeah and i i just it's not so much that like i thought the joker um Joker with Joaquin Phoenix was a pretty stellar movie. Incredibly well shot, well acted. You can argue um, if it needed to be as intense or dark as it was. Uh, so as a standalone movie, it was fantastic. But the problem is they can't seem to figure out what they want to do tonally. Yeah. And so if you if you just want all your movies to be viewed as standalone movies and and uh, looked at for their own merit, I mean, I guess there's something to that as well because one of the complaints now about Marvel is there's so much information with all the movies and shows that it's hard to keep track. Yeah. So I don't know if they're intentionally going the opposite way with how they do things or if it's just a mistake. There's, but they're continuing down that path, it appears. There really is no sense that there's anything intentional going on here. And what we've talked about before is DC really does struggle with the second movie of a particular character. They do okay on origin stories, and then they don't have any clue how to make a good second movie. I mean, look no further than Wonder Woman 84. You know, And obviously the exception to that rule being Christopher Nolan Batman. Movies. Right, and you could argue that how but good or not since the, then. the Dark Knight Rises is, but the Dark Knight mm -hmm. is a fantastic sequel and probably the best yeah. movie in the series. Yeah, but this is definitely we're talking post Christopher Nolan here. They've, yeah. they've done a good job, and really since the since the dawn of the MCU, for the most part, is what we're talking about. DC has not been able to create a second movie from a character that they've launched. But we'll see. I mean, it has all the crazy potential you could ever want. It's also most likely going to be a train wreck. We'll see. All right. Our next story is another superhero one. And this comes to us uh, via Marvel. They are reintroducing Spider-Man No Way Home back into theaters on Labor Day weekend. This time with an extended cut. The extended cut will feature deleted scenes and it will feature never before seen footage 
And this is as, as part of the celebration of the 60 years of Spider-Man character from the comics and 20 years of Spider-Man films. Uh, what is not said is the duration of these extended scenes and never posted footage, deleted scenes, that sort of stuff. Uh, I have no idea what we're talking about here in terms of quantity. Uh, and that will make a difference. Uh, so what do, what do you make of the re-release of Spider-Man? So I'm sure that I will go see it because I'll have the ability to go see it. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about, and, and this has happened now with a few movies, with studios kind of um, waiting to release the full version of a movie, if you want to call it that. I mean, I guess that there is a difference between what you end up with as the cut that goes into the theater and what the director's cut is. Um, I just, I, I feel like it's kind of just an attempt to get more money, which it will. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I can't say I'm like crazy, super excited to go see some deleted scenes, but I'll probably end up going to see it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's always the question. Is this, is it just a money grab or are they going to give you things that you really want? Like, who is this for? I mean, like you were saying, if this stuff should have been in the movie the first time, why wasn't it? if it was things that they had to cut out and it's like, Hey, this is, this would be fun for the, for the hardcore fans. They'll really like these scenes. And it, you feel like you're actually getting something from it. You're actually giving something to the hardcore fans. Then I'm all for it. That's great. Um, but is it just a money grab? And it, is it just a way of like admitting, Hey, we should have probably added, added this stuff in, uh, and I would say the ones I've, the ones I've seen come down mostly on the side of, yeah, no, these really didn't need to be in the film. I don't know. Um, we'll see. I, I'm not, I'm not convinced it's going to be worth it, but like you said, I'll probably go see it. Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's what they're counting on. You know, we're suckers. It is well, have, having having a, a a movie theater subscription helps in it situations does. like this. I don't know if I would pay full price for a ticket to go watch this, but since mm -hmm. I have that, I will. Yeah, yeah, it does make a difference. Okay, so that's the rest of the news for this week. Uh, we've got a discussion topic that we pushed off from last week that we're going to revisit this week, and that's the topic of three-hour movies. Uh, so Rob had sent an article to me about uh, 50 best three-hour or longer movies, according to Rotten Tomatoes. So Rob, why don't you lay out the premise for us here? So the idea here that there's actually not a ton of three hour long plus movies out there as you go. I actually went and looked at the top 100 list on this and towards the bottom, like 100, like they were in the four out of 10, three out of 10 on IMDb type range. So yeah, there's not a, a huge variety to look at here. Um, but the idea, I guess, looking at um, some of the movies that have come out recently that are longer is 
are people actually interested in movies this long? Are they worth mm-hmm. watching? Are they, you know, worth coming out? And especially with the dawn of the superhero movie, I think there have been a lot of movies in the two to three hour uh, window lately. Yeah. And um, so the question is, is are they actually, are, are movies actually worthwhile being that long? Um and can you do something in that space that you couldn't do with a shorter movie? Yeah. So that's the basic idea behind the article here. Mm-hmm. And we'll link to this article and, and the particular list that they're referencing uh, from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so we'll go through and let's, let's first talk about this. Are there, are there any, anything on this list that you would say, uh, are, are some of your favorites from the list and, and along with that, anything that isn't on the list that you think should be. Um, so what I found interesting is on the list, my favorite one does not come until number 14, hmm. which is Hamlet from 1996 yeah. um, with Kenneth Branagh, which has been a favorite movie of mine for a while, probably my top 50 whenever I actually make that list. Um, I think it is kind of cheating to put a Shakespeare play movie like on the list because they're going to be more than three hours long if you actually do the play. Yeah. Um, you can obviously shorten it and cut things out and make a shorter version of it. Um, but if you're going to go through the whole thing, it's going to inevitably be three plus hours. In Hamlet's case, four hours and two minutes long. Um, there are a couple other ones on here I really like. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Yeah. Um, is one obviously the other movies are long, you know. Um, but this one was over three hours. I think uh Dances with Wolves deserves a good mention. That's in the low 40s on this list. Uh, whether you like it or not, Titanic is worthy of some recognition, I think. Because mm-hmm. no matter how you feel about the movie, I think that it's safe to say it's objectively a good movie, no matter how you feel subjectively about it. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just think James Cameron did a good job. Now, I love the Marvel movies, obviously, and I love the Avengers. So when I saw the Avengers on this list, it did make me think, like, did the Avengers really need to be three hours long? <laughs> probably, um, probably not. <laughs> I so so for me, some of the some of the ones on this list that that I liked, obviously, Lord of the Rings. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you on Hamlet. Um, I think OJ Simpson, OJ Made in America doesn't count because it, yeah, it was not aired all in, in theaters all at the same time. So that one doesn't count. Um, yeah, I think Titanic belongs on the list, but it's not going to be a favorite of mine. Uh, the Ten Commandments from 1956, I actually think is quite good. Uh, JFK from 91. I mean, the conspiracy theory is completely ridiculous. However, it's a fun movie. As you as you watch mm-hmm. unfold, and the Green Mile, of course, is on there. Oh yeah. Uh, but the one I think that immediately came to mind when I thought about this category that isn't on this uh, the top fifty is Gettysburg. Gettysburg mm-hmm. ran in at over four and a half hours, and it featured a break midway through the movie in the theaters. And I, I did get a chance to see that in theaters, and it was an unusual, unique experience to be in a movie that long. Yeah. Um, um so yeah, yeah. And i think there are a lot of movies in that two to three hour window um that we probably all like like the shawshank redemption or 
cloud atlas is literally like two hours and 52 minutes long or something like that it's barely yeah. under three hours um i so i th and a lot of the marvel movies either two and a half or it seems to be kind of a natural thing for some of these movies at this point with their um just how they're telling the story and i i think both of us, especially you, have talked a lot about how um, strongly you feel about pacing in a movie. Yeah. And I think it can be really difficult to pace well when you're doing a movie this long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it, what it comes down to is, does the movie deserve to be that long? And that. That's, that's one of the key features for me. Does a movie deserve to be that long? I think a lot of the movies on this list didn't need to be that long. Like I'll give you one, Wolf of Wall Street. No reason for that to be three hours. None whatsoever. Um, the same thing on here with um, some of the other new ones, like um, the one with uh, The Irishman. No, didn't need to be. No reason to be three hours long. Now, I will say Avengers Endgame, I do think it needs to be three hours long because you have a billion characters and you're wrapping up an arc that's, what, 20 movies long. And, and so I think you need time and space to let that play out and in order to give it the, the things it deserves. So that's why I think that one clearly can be on the list. I thought even... Return of the King, I thought there was like six endings to that. And uh, I remember thinking it probably didn't need to be quite as long as it was. Uh, but I still think it should have been over three hours. It just might have been three hours, 15 minutes instead of three hours, 30 minutes or whatever it ended up being. Uh, yeah. So that's the key. That's really the key for me. It's like, does it deserve to be this long? And uh yeah, and I think the, the 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 final analysis there is a, a lot of modern movies don't. <laughs> yes, but it seems like more and more pushing that direction, especially ones that are um, looking to get the big money at the box office. And we made this comment after we saw Doctor Strange that um, it seemed short mm -hmm. because of how long were you movies being at this point? Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the other factors here too is. Um, the idea of can you split the movie? Um, you've seen this a lot in, in, at the end of series. Uh, the Twilight series split the last movie. The Hunger Games split the last movie. Even something like Kill Bill had volume one and volume two. Uh, so rather than, rather than spending the time to sit there in the theater for three plus hours, four hours for one particular movie, is it worth splitting it? Does the story work? along those lines. I think with each one of those particular series, um, and in particular the Kill Bill worked really well to the way they split those, the way they split the movies. And they released them a couple months apart from each other. And it felt like it felt like a better experience because you got two separate movies out of it. Um, I th think that to me, if it works with the script, that is a better way to go about it than trying to create a movie that's three and a half, four hours long. Yeah. And I think it's just yeah, it's I agree with that. Easier to engage. Sure. Good. 
Did you have something else there? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just it's it's tough. It's tough to make a good three hour movie. I think I think we can both agree on that. All right, so let's wrap up uh, today with the watch list. Rob, what'd you watch this week? So I actually had the chance to go see a movie in the theater, a chance to watch a new movie that came out on HBO Max, and a chance to watch a new movie that came out on Netflix. Oh. So pretty okay. happy with that. I went and saw The Bad Guys in the theater. Um, as we talked about today, it was number four in the box office still this week. And I think it was a very well done um, animated movie, animated heist movie. Um, the animation style is unique, which I love when a movie has a, when an animated movie has a unique style. They did a really fantastic job with that. And Sam Rockwell is great as the main character, the Fox. Um, Sam Rockwell is pretty much great in everything. If you have a chance to watch Sam Rockwell, go watch Sam Rockwell. Agreed. Um, I watched a movie called The Card Counter on HBO Max starring Oscar Isaac. Mm. Uh, very interesting movie that I honestly had not, I didn't remember hearing about. Uh, it did come out in the theater, but it was a very limited release. It didn't stay in the theater very long. It didn't make very much money. Um, but Oscar Isaac plays uh, a former soldier who was part of the detainment camps uh, in Afghanistan. And who ended up going to prison for his role in those camps uh, when like his superiors got away with not having anything done to them. Mm -hmm. um, and he ended up learning poker uh, in prison and becoming very skilled at it. So it, it has the military background thing, but also has the competing in world series of poker events kind of thing, which reminded me a little bit of one of my favorite movies, rounders. Mm. Um, but this is, I would say this is not in the level of that, or even close. Um, it felt a lot like several little vignettes that were stitched together instead of like a coherent, cohesive movie. Like there's a storyline going through, but it seemed like it, it it was going jumping around in fits and starts. Like it didn't it didn't really flow super well together. Um, that being said, Oscar Isaac did a fantastic job. I think he is a really good actor. Under and there were some yeah. in the movie that you felt his character was very believable as someone who had lived through um, being a part of some absolutely crazy things interrogation uh, isolation wise um, so I, I would recommend watching it for his performance but I wouldn't necessarily say it was a great movie um, the other movie I watched was Adam Sandler's newest movie on Netflix called Hustle um, it's a basketball movie and I will say um, that if you are a sports fan in particular, if you are a basketball fan, you should watch this movie. Um, I think this is up there with the uncut gems, Rain Over Me, um, kind of Adam Sandler movies. It's mm. a good dramatic performance. There's some humor in it, but um, it feels very grounded and it feels realistic. Um, when it comes to sports movies, I am very much snob on if the sports scenes don't feel realistic, then the movie loses a lot of yeah. merit from me. Um, yeah. And this movie, if you don't know already, has about 30 NBA players in it. So the realism is very, it's, I would say it's top notch because the people performing the basketball sequences are actually people who play basketball <laughs> at the highest level. The main character, Bo Cruz, is played by uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who plays for the Utah Jazz. Um, 
Anthony Edwards from Minnesota Timberwolves is also a main character in the movie. Uh, it's produced by LeBron James. There's a whole bunch of other NBA players who play bit roles. Um, the 76ers are featured prominently if you're a 76ers fan uh, because they're the team that he's coming over to work out for um, that Adam Sandler works for in the movie. So if you, if you like Philadelphia, um, you'll probably like this movie too because Philadelphia is featured in the movie The City. Nice. itself and one of the first scenes he pulls into the wells fargo center um and it, it, even if you're not from philadelphia if, if you live close enough like we do and have had the opportunity to go to that sports complex um it's a pretty cool feeling to kind of see that on screen like knowing yeah. i've been there <laughs> you know i've been yeah. all these places um and it, it feels it feels realistic because like doc rivers is in it even as the coach like it, it kind of like Adam Sandler is placed in the real world with these people. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's very intriguing to see some of the background behind the scenes stuff um, from this perspective. And I think this is, I, I would say this is for me inarguably the best Adam Sandler movie on Netflix um, since he made that deal with them. And I hope that he produces more things like this because uh it felt it felt more down to earth and his performance was really good in it so uh the movie is called hustle and it's on netflix and i would highly recommend it cool uh for me i saw two movies this week uh i watched the darkest hour again uh starring gary oldman as winston churchill and this is just such it's such an amazing movie and i love how it places winston churchill singularly in the in the context historically um in the midst of people who just wanted to appease germany and make peace and they just they did such a good job of building up the tension in this movie the tension and the pressure that uh winston faced um, along with all of his quirks and his foibles and his his good sides and bad sides and all those sort of things uh, it's such it's such a well-rounded movie and and just puts him in the place of the giant historical figure and everything he did to, he did to save Britain when everyone around him was was you know advocating for a different direction. It's just it's such a powerful movie and and I am just a big big fan of it and I was pleased I was pleased to get to watch it again. Um, I also watched uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom again. Uh, in preparation for seeing the new movie and I just have to say just let the dinosaurs die man <laughs> just let them die like don't release them out there they're dinosaurs man humans are more valuable than dinosaurs let them die come on <laughs> let them die it's okay now I know that means dominion wouldn't exist you know and I get that it's not that hard a call. Gee, do I release all the dinosaurs to go out there and kill a whole bunch of people? Or do I let them die? You let them die. It's, it's not that hard. <laughs> so there's my rant. John Hammond does not approve this message. <laughs> like, it's one thing if, like, you got them on another island and they can, you know, live out themselves and just be, you know, fine. I get that for nature preserve. But it comes down to, like, here, do we sacrifice an untold amount of human people or let like two dozen dinosaurs die? 
Let him die. <laughs> so that's all I got. All right. I'm I'm looking forward to slash a little uh, terrified to watch the new one. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the show, everyone, for tonight. And thank you for tuning into Film for Fans. And until next time, enjoy the movies.